Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that tinkers under the hood of the paranormal. Again, this week, not from our HQ in the haunted pub in Oxfordshire, but from our two houses as we self-isolate and stay away from the coronavirus. Exactly, which which weirdly has got me thinking, Ben. Um, it feels like, because the world is so weird at the moment and isolation and everything going on, I thought we needed to have a bit of fun. I don't know about you, but... I really could do with some comedy that isn't just me trying to make the dog laugh <laughs> exactly so i mean I, you know i don't think we can promise our listeners belly laughs but what i decided to do was try and have a look at as things are weird some of the kind of weirder fun and light-hearted spooky stories and things that are out there just to give us a little bit of light relief so i don't think we'll be doing our usual in-depth analysis and trying to come to any conclusions i think we're just going to read some funny ghost stories, tell a few funny jokes and try and uh, make things a little bit light-hearted because that's what we need at the moment. That sounds fun. Demons have got a sense of humour too, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's got to be a kind of Eddie Izzard-style demon out there somewhere. But, so so um, where have you been digging for these stories? I've done a little bit of... I mean, obviously, we, we, we love a bit of Reddit. I've been doing a bit of Googling... I found the first story I'm going to do is a kind of American folklore site that I found. It's actually a Canadian website that posts a lot of kind of ghost stories, but they had a kind of light-hearted section. So these are... So I, I think the thing to say is, having read some of these and some of the ones I'll do, I'm not sure they're totally, uh, oh my God, believable. So, but, you know, they claim to be true. And I thought in this spirit of lightheartedness, who cares? We'll just tell some funny ghost stories, whether they're true or let's not. Let's take them cares. at face value. Exactly. Let's do yeah. that. So the first one is, uh, so this is off this Canadian website. It's, uh, it's called An Alberta Ghost Story. I'm coming down now. Uh, and it's retold by S.E. Schlossler. Schlosser. There we go. There's my Farage Schlosser. Um, who wrote a book of some kind of humorous uh, ones. So we're going to start off with this one. It's about, uh, as the Americans would say, a real estate agent or a estate agent, as we'd call them. So. Just drop the real. A, yeah, exactly. There was an abandoned house sitting in the middle of a fancy neighbourhood in Calgary that nobody would go near. And I mean, nobody. Now, my pal Albert was the estate agent in charge of selling the haunted house, and he tried everything in his power to close the deal. But folks were too plumb scared to make an offer, even at rock-bottom prices. Finally, Albert lit on the notion of selling the house sight unseen to a rich city slicker from America. And it worked like a charm, until the day that the city slicker decided he wanted to to visit the property before he bought it. Albert was set to take this fellow there at high noon, but the city slicker's train was delayed, so it wasn't until after dinner that the two men set off for the haunted house. It was dark and a rainy night, but early enough in the evening that the ghost might still be resting. At least Albert hoped this was the case. Albert unlocked the front door and it opened with an ominous creak. 
Albert swallowed nervously, but the city slicker just chuckled and said something about, oh, it's atmospheric. Albert relaxed a bit and wondered if he shouldn't have raised the price a little bit. The two men entered a tall foyer absolutely festooned with dusty cobwebs. Creepy, the city slicker said enthusiastically. He bound energetically into the centre of the foyer and said, Come to me, foul spirits. Immediately, the whole house rang with a sinister, unearthly chuckle. Then an unearthly voice boomed, I'm coming down now. The city slicker jumped and then turned to Albert with a happy grin. Great special effects, how do you do that? I didn't, Albert said, his teeth chattering. He backed up until we hit the front door and stand there with his hand on the knob. I'm glad I got that line right. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm coming down now, the voice boomed again. and The city slicker grinned, slipped a bit. He looked at Albert, frightened, and then followed the estate agent's gaze towards the stairs. A bright light exploded into being at the top of the steps and quickly resolved into a sinister green head with flaming eyes writhing hair and fangs instead of teeth. The head opened its mouth and screamed a terrible high-pitched sound that scraped across everyone's nerves. As the head began to roll down the stairs towards the two men, Albert's nerve broke and a moment later he was halfway down the road, his own scream rivalling that of the spectre in the house behind him. It wasn't until he was almost home that he realised that he had company. The city slicker was running along beside him, Mister, I don't think I want this house after all, he panted. Why not? asked a hauntingly familiar voice. Albert and the city slicker looked over and saw the green head with flaming eyes keeping pace with them as they raced down the street. The city slicker gave a screech that would have shamed a banshee and disappeared into the distance. So fast there was no keeping up with him. Must have been the asking price, the floating head said conversationally to Albert. The real estate agent shrieked even louder. The next day, Albert quit his job and moved to Vancouver, where he spent the rest of his life not as an estate agent, but working on a fishing boat. The haunted house fell into ruin and was eventually torn down. Well, I've got to give you props for your demon voice. <laughs> Thank that you. Was, that was a very gentlemanly demon. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I, like, I, I like the fact that it's, it's got a good gag in that one. I thought that was very funny. Um, yes, yeah, that, it's it's uh, it's very two Ronnies that one. Yeah, exactly. You can see the sketch now, can't you? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I see what you mean about realism. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. We, you know, we look at a lot of these stories. I don't think we've ever found uh, a, a, a spooky ghost that goes into that much detail and has got such a, such a sense of humour. A floating you know head what? with I, fangs. I, I'm gonna say that somebody got an idea from Scooby-Doo and I don't really <laughs> think that that was a ghost. I think that is a developer who wants the house and the land at a real <laughs> cut price. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, in a sort of Hound of the Baskervilles way, they've dressed up and they're just going to chase everybody away. <laughs> I, I like the Scooby-Doo thing. That's a really good, that's a really good uh, way for them to kind of get the price knocked down. I like that a lot. Yeah. Right, shall I tell you a joke? Go on then. This is a joke from uh, from Jimmy Carr. It's actually easy to tell if your house is haunted. It isn't. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't agree with it, but I like it. 
Yeah, me too. I thought I'd I also liked um, one of the people that I follow on Twitter, one of the comedians, pointed out that um, the reason why ghosts are always walking around looking like they're covered in sheets is because they're the ghosts of men who were trying to change their duvet covers. <laughs> and uh, having also been taught by my partner yesterday, tried to teach me how to do a duvet cover properly i can i can attest to that it is one of the most complex procedures known to mankind and can you manage to do it single-handed or do you need help jesus no (laughs) i i need her help even even if i'm even if i go for that inside out tug the corners technique Honestly, if somebody said change the ECU on your car engine, I would approach that with more confidence than I approach changing a sheet on a double bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that one. I can just about do uh, pillowcases. Um, oh yeah, pillowcases are good. So, it, is this another one from the same book? This is from yep. This is from the same book. This is a, a slightly older, uh, I guess more more countryside legend type story um and if you thought elements of the last one seemed a bit unbelievable you're definitely going to think that of this one okay i'm going to settle in so so this is in ye olden times uh, in america i came home late one night after work and found my wife ethel puttering about in the kitchen with a big yellow cat at her heels and who is this? I asked jovially. This is our new cat, said Ethel, giving me a hug and a kiss to welcome me home. She just appeared at the kitchen door and wanted to come in. It'll be nice to have some company around the house. I bent over and scratched the yellow cat under the chin. She purred and stretched. I went out to milk the cow, and when I came back in, Ethel gave the cat some cream in a saucer. Donald, Ethel said. She sounded worried. The neighbours acted rather oddly when I told them about the cat. They seemed to think she was a ghost or a witch of some sort. Transformed into a cat, they told me to get rid of her. A witch, I asked and laughed heartily. Are you a witch, little cat? The cat yawned and stretched. Reluctantly, Ethel started to laugh with me. It seemed such a ludicrous notion. We sat watching the beautiful sunset and then took ourselves off to bed. The cat quickly became an essential part of our household. She would purr us awake each morning and would beg for cream when I brought in the morning milk. She followed Ethel around, supervising her work during the day and would sit by the fire at night while we read aloud. The days became shorter as autumn approached, and often I would work until nearly sunset, cutting and hauling wood. One night in October, I didn't finish hauling my last load until dusk. As soon as I piled the last log, I started down the road, hoping to get home before dark, since I had not brought a lantern with me. I rounded a corner and saw a group of black cats standing in the middle of the road. They were nearly invisible in the growing darkness. As I drew nearer, I saw they were carrying a stretcher between them. I stopped stopped and rubbed my eyes. That was impossible. When I looked again, the stretcher was still there, and there was a little dead cat lying on it. I was astonished. It must be a trick of the light, I thought. Then one of the cats called out to me. Sir, please tell Aunt Can that Polly Grundy is dead. My mouth dropped open in shock. I took my last... I shook my head hard, not believing my ears. How ridiculous, I thought. Cats don't talk. 
I hurried past the little group, carefully looking the other way. I must be working too hard, I thought. But I couldn't help wondering who Aunt Can might be. And why did the cats want me to tell her that Polly Grundy was dead? Was Polly Grundy the cat on the stretcher? Suddenly, I was confronted by a small black cat. It was standing directly in front of me. I stopped and looked down at it, and it looked back at me with large green eyes that seemed to glow in the fading light. I have a message for Aunt Can, the cat said. Tell her that Polly Grundy is dead. The cat stalked past me and went to join the other cats grouped around the stretcher. I was completely nonplussed. This was getting very spooky, talking cats and dead Polly Grundy, and who was Aunt Can? I hurried away as fast as I could walk. Around me the woods were getting darker and darker. I didn't want to stay in the woods with a group of talking cats. Nor that, not that I really believed the cats had spoken. It was all strange. It was a waking dream brought on by too much work. Behind me, the cats gave a strange shriek and called out together. Oh man, tell our cat that Polly Grundy is dead. I'd had enough. I sprinted home as fast as I could and didn't stop until I reached the safety of my porch. I paused to catch my breath. I didn't want to explain to Ethel that I was seeing and hearing impossible things. She would dose me with castor oil and call the doctor. I don't want to worry you, I said to Ethel, reluctant to talk about what I'd seen on the way home. The yellow cat was now lying on the floor by the fire. I think maybe something is wrong with my brain, I said slowly. While I was walking home, I thought I saw a group of black cats carrying a stretcher with a dead cat on it. Then I thought I heard the cats talking to me. They asked me to tell Aunt Can that Polly Grundy was dead. With this, the yellow cat leapt up onto the windowsill. Polly Grundy is dead, she cried. Then I am the Queen of the Witches. She switched her tail and the window flew open with a bang. The yellow cat leapt through it and disappeared into the night, never to return. Ethel had to dump an entire bucket of water over my head to revive me from my faint. The good news, she told me when I sat up, dripping and swearing because the water was ice cold, is that you've got nothing wrong with your brain. The bad news is that our cat has just left to become the queen of the witches. We'll have to get another cat. Oh no, I said immediately. We're getting a dog. And that's why I'm a dog man. (laughs) There's always a risk whenever you see a cat that it is next in line to be queen of the witches. Yeah, yeah. What I thought was interesting about that story is if somebody is making it up, it's quite a stretch to go, I know, I'm going to have a group of cats carrying another cat on a stretcher. Yeah. Because that's not going to help my story. I know this is a kind of, it's almost a mythical tale. It's a fireside tale, I think, an old American fireside tale. But I did like the image of the the cats on the stretcher. I also like the fact that the cat that had died takes on the surname of the house in which you know it lives i didn't realize animals did that that's good yeah yeah somewhere there are cats going around filling in forms as ms grundy and i just i just really like that that idea i'm hoping that my dog uses the same i kind of thought if you're going to become the queen of the witches if you're good enough to be the Queen of the Witches, you'd probably know and knew already that it was your time. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. It does explain why cats go missing quite a lot. Yeah, that's true. And what they do at night. Oh, God, we're back. 
Why we've got this weird obsession going on with um, with cats, haven't we? With the uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who does the musicals? Cats. And musicals. Oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, we've got this weird obsession going on with Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cats the Musicals because this feels a bit like, you know, this is what those cats do when they're being a bit spooky. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, I've got a Milton Jones joke for you. Oh, I love Milton Jones. Go on then. It's a bit like the one you told earlier, is it? I was walking along today on the road and I saw a small baby ghost. Although thinking about it, it might have been a handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> That is very Milton James. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite got his delivery, unfortunately. <laughs> this one. It, <laughs> this one is called... Is this kind of working, do you think? Should we keep going? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. This one's called You Can't Get Out. It's an Oklahoma ghost story. So, again, this is... Uh, it's an old tale, but I quite like this one. Okay. What One dark winter, windy night... The town drunk was mirandering his way home after the bar closed. Somehow he got turned around and ended up walking through a churchyard instead of taking the usual road home. The wind had picked up and he thought he could hear a voice calling his name. Suddenly the ground opened up in front of him and he fell down, down into an open grave. He could hear the voice clearly now, calling to him, saying his name. He knew it was the devil coming for him, just like the preacher had told him on account of him being the town drunk. I'm assuming that's the man, not the preacher. Um, the hole was very deep and inside it was pitch black. His eyes adjusted to the darkness after a few moments and he made out a form sitting in the darkness with him. It called his name again and he scrambled away in fear trying to climb out of the terrible grave. Then the figure spoke. You can't get out, it said. The drunk gave a shout of pure terror and leapt straight up more than six feet. He caught the edge of the hole in his hand, scrambled out and ran for home as fast as he could. Inside the open grave, his neighbour Charlie sighed in resignation. He'd fallen into the hole a few minutes before his friend and had thought that together they might be able to help each other climb out. Now he was going to have to wait until morning until the mortician to bring a ladder and get him out of the hole. <laughs> that, that's such a weird story. <laughs> it's it's a legendary story. I guess it's a tale of um what do you call him? Those tales that, you know. It's a morality tale. That's the that's the word I was looking for. It's a morality tale for people who go down the saloon and drink too much, I guess. But I I could yes. uh, again. Oh, that's interesting. I, could, I wonder if it's like a prohibition period. <laughs> Oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it doesn't say what when when it was uh, when it was written or when it became prevalent. So that's a good that's a good shout. I reckon it probably was a prohibition um, story. I just keep I keep thinking of uh, Bernard Cribbins digging a hole, but we're showing our age again. <laughs> Target <laughs> reference: Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> Bernard Cribbins singing "Digging a Hole," although. The Stormzy remix is pretty good at that. Stormzy. Stormzy and Bernard together at last. I have this theory about you know you're too old when you can't name another grime artist apart from Stormzy. No. Well, you also know you're old when you have to keep Googling grime to remember what it is. 
because f- for me, grime is something. <laughs> well, I I just hear grime and think Silit Bang. I I don't I don't think of it as a musical genre. <laughs> there you go. Um. So this one, the last one, the last story before we move on to something else, is um, this is actually a true ghost story. A- allegedly true ghost story, but it's not as uh, as urban legendy as the other ones I've read out. Okay. So, and I was Googling and I just came across this and the title just drew me in. This is called The Highgate Chicken Ghost. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, now, I used to live quite near Highgate, so that also drew my attention to it. But, you know, those three words together, Highgate, Chicken and Ghost, they were like, you know, the perfect. It was the Holy Trinity for me. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, I'll be be honest. <laughs> so, the story begins at Highgate Ponds in North London with the philosopher and scientist Sir Francis Bacon who, in 1626, had an argument with his friend, Dr. Witherbone, over how to preserve meat. Sir Bacon suggested that perhaps keeping meat cold could make it last longer, but being a doctor in the 1600s, Witherspoon found the suggestion as crazy as washing your hands before surgery. To improve his point, Bacon went out and got himself a chicken, plucked it, cleaned it, stuffed it with snow and invented the first frozen chicken. Unfortunately, Bacon then caught pneumonia and died. The site of Bacon's death is said to have been haunted ever since, but not by any human soul. For 300 years, the site of Bacon's experiment has been haunted by the ghost of the chicken he killed. Ever since shortly after Bacon's death, people at Highgate Pond have reported seeing a plucked headless chicken running around in circles, pecking for grubs with a beak that he doesn't have. The sightings endured through World War II, during which military troops stationed nearby tried to catch the chicken ghost for their dinner. The chicken ghost was last sighted around 1970 when a colluding couple were interrupted by a prudish poultry geist that disapprove of their public display of affection. There hasn't been any news of the demon chicken since then, so presumably presumably it completed its unfinished business and moved on to a higher plane. So the first thing that strikes me about that story (laughs) is the irony of a man with the surname Bacon having an (laughs) argument about how you preserve meat. Yeah, yeah. Bacon is possibly the very first ever meat preservation method. Yeah, well, maybe he invented it. Right. So if you're called Bacon, anybody arguing with you about meat preservation really needs to take a good hard look at themselves because they're probably less qualified, at least back in the 1600s. Also, that chicken, if it was preserved... Is it sort of coming back because it was like mummified? Did it was it did it have so much uh, energy put into it that uh, it's sort of it's here because the focus of those two men were on it, so that it's kind of like oh yeah, I'm kind of a special chicken. 
Yeah, well, I, I wondered as well whether this, the the story, the ghost story, because, you, you know, a plucked chicken looks pretty ghostly anyway. Stuff full of ice, it would be a very pale colour. Chickens, as we know, if you chop their head off, still run around for a bit. So maybe this is where the legend came. Yeah. But I, I guess it's not become a prominent ghost story because there is something amusing, amusing, amusing about a chicken ghost that it doesn't really lend itself to any kind of spooky goose flesh, ironically. It's not terrifying, is it? If I no. saw if if I saw the ghost of a chicken, <laughs> I wouldn't run away terrified, I don't think. But this is this is what I've been saying all along, you know, largely in pub conversations after four pints, but <laughs> I would love to see the ghost of something impressive, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a mammoth, <clears throat> something like that. Yeah. I'm going to do that as an episode one day because I know there are people that have seen them. But theoretically, they should be everywhere, right under our feet right now, are bones yeah. of dinosaurs from many, many millions of years. You know, the strata is thick with dinosaur remains, and yet I haven't seen a single one. But we, we've also had this conversation before about we'd love to see a ridiculous ghost, i.e., you know, right. a, ha- a haunted mug or, you know, it's always a spooky doll or, you know, a ghostly apparition with chains. That So I think probably in all the things we've talked about, this is, uh, this is probably the closest we've got to a ridiculous ghost story. Okay, I think ridiculous ghost stories are a really rich vein. I'm going to start seeing if I can find some and bring them back in a future episode as a kind of reprise to this one well, to cheer I, you us know, all up. And weirdly, I started thinking about this as an idea because... I don't know about you, but since we've been in lockdown, my movie viewing seems to be at two extremes. I'm either watching kind of terrifying movies, like I watched Alien the other night, which if you're in lockdown, has lots of, uh, there's lots of metaphors going on with being in lockdown in that movie. So it was kind of the scariest I'd seen it, and I've watched it a lot. And then the next night I'm watching Bridesmaids because I need a kind of bit of light relief and laughter. So maybe we'll do another one of these lighter episodes. And if you like them out there, just let us know. I know it's not maybe up to our uh, usual analytical standards, but, you know, I think we need a bit of kind of funniness at the moment. So the other thing about this story I quite like is you, you mentioned it before, the irony of Francis Bacon trying to freeze a chicken with the name Bacon. But it was after an argument with a doctor called Witherbone. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear you'd have uh you, you wouldn't want to remain a witherbone would you you really wouldn't but you I know mean, if, if if sir francis bacon wasn't so famous you'd definitely think this whole thing was made up and the names were made up as well but yeah but if you were called witherbone the first thing that you would do is at least convince everybody that that's not how you pronounce it it's called Why the yeah. Bonnet or something, because <laughs> with a bone, it just sounds terrible. Like, how did it go last night with your husband? What, my husband with a bone? Oh, yeah. 
Well, that um, that story is. Uh, I got this this guy called Jonathan Wojcik, uh, and apparently he's written loads of books in this style. So if you like that, go and check him out. Um, would you like a, a, my favourite chicken crossing the road joke? Of course. So why did the chicken cross the road? Well, police representatives have stated that an investigation is still underway. They will not be issuing any information as to the chicken's intentions, medical status or whereabouts. That's my, that's that my favourite word to the chicken cross the road joke. <laughs> All right, that's enough uh, funny stories. I'll tell you what, it's quite a struggle to find. I, I was hoping to find some funnier ones than this. So if anyone out there has got funnier ones than this. We, I was trying to kind of get a bit more ironic and a bit alternative. So we, if you've got them send, them, send them our way and maybe we'll do another episode of that stuff. I think, I think we can better these, um, but we might need some help from our quantum mechanic audience. I want to talk now uh, about haunted house attractions. Uh I mean, it seems to be much more of a phenomenon in the States than probably here. But these are uh, visitor attractions that are set up where there are loads of actors kind of in various outfits who try and scare you. And uh, I guess it's a kind of cross between uh, an interactive storytelling experience and uh, a Disneyland type ride, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and you see much lower rent ones at travelling fairs, right? Right. So you, you, you sort of see a 38-year-old woman with a very poor Frankenstein mask on running around after six-year-olds as they come out of the top of an articulated lorry. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I think of it as. And maybe that's why they're kind of not so big here, because I think in America, especially, I guess, you know, you've got a bigger audience for this kind of stuff and they can actually invest a little bit more in actors and the whole thing um, and special effects and whatever. So right. the bit of reading I've done about them and some of the the videos and pictures I've seen, some of them do look amazingly well done and quite scary. I guess we've got the London Dungeons in the, in the UK, which is a bit like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we've got uh, Darren Brown's one in one of the theme parks where he's got a haunted train. That's supposed uh, to be excellent. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't realise he'd done one. That's great. Mm. I would love that. I bet that's really good. Mm. So what I did was I've had a look around. Uh, there's various articles about these places. Uh, there's a lot on Reddit. So there's a lot of groups set up on reddit where people who work in these places tell funny stories or just you know their experiences of working in these kind of attractions um which i find you know it must be such a weird thing to do that as a job for a while i mean i know they're kind of jobbing actors but still it must be quite straight um so let's uh so I've, i've picked out a few which i wanted to talk about um and uh, a recant to you. So uh, this one is actually a few years old. This was somebody posted this in December of 2015. Uh, 
A friend of mine is known for really hamming it up during Halloween season. Two of his trademarks are a cackling laugh and a deathly vocal tone that manages to skirt the boundaries between comical and genuinely pant-wettingly terrifying. So these are two people who are visiting a haunted attraction rather than, than working there. We're right. walking through a haunted house which also features cameras that will record you when the costume actors jump out and scare you, so everyone can see your reaction. Being a veteran of such attractions, my friend is on the lookout for the cameras and upon seeing one, proceeds to let loose with his maniacal laugh which cutting a very psych- and cutting a very psychotic facial expression. Later, we were in the booth where one can watch the recordings and see the playback of him looking just as frightening as the actors around him. There are two women standing in front of us watching the screen. One woman says, Well, I'm certainly glad that guy was nowhere near us while we were in there. I was scared enough without worrying about someone like him stalking me. My friend, unable to help himself, leant forward over her shoulder and said, in his best scary voice, How do you know I'm not still in there? Ha ha ha. Both women promptly turned, screamed and ran for the exit. And I put that story in because it reminded me of um, one of my favourite Anthony Hopkins stories. You know this story when he needs Silence of the Lambs story? I don't think so. He, uh, after Silence of the Lambs came out, and of course he played Hannibal Lecter, scary character. He was strange man. He would sometimes go to movie theatres on his own to watch the film. And he would sit in the back row so nobody could recognise him. And one time he did it, there was this woman in front of him who was just so scared by the film, screaming, shaking every few minutes. And he waited till, you know, things in the movie had kind of calmed down a bit and she was a bit calmer. And then he leant right over the chair right next to her stuck his face next to her and said enjoying the movie <laughs> apparently she nearly fainted and ran out of the cinema oh that's such a good thing to do though i would have loved it if he'd done that and i was there a good story you could tell forever right if it had happened to you absolutely yeah plus within 0.3 of a second you'd realize that he's an actor and you're just meeting anthony Blooming Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get his signature, yeah. Right, so uh, I found another good one from uh, somebody who worked in a haunted house in New Zealand. Uh, and they've titled this post, which was Reddit, I think, uh, called Instant Karma. Uh, there is a bit of bad language in this one, which I, I was thinking about trying to kind of cut out, but... I think I should just go for it, don't you think, Ben? Yeah. So, I work in a Halloween horror maze. 20 other actors and I lurk in the corn maze at night. Our job is to scare the customers as they come through. People are usually into the whole thing, but sometimes we have groups through that deliberately take the whole thing as a joke and belittle the actors. I hide just off the side of the path in the hospital ward, which is lined with beds and straw dummies. The customers don't usually see me until I rush out of them. This means I hear them coming and also hear what they say. One male customer said, Dude, this is fucking dumb. It's not even scary. His friend said, I know the North Island's maze is so much better than this fucking tame thing. 
the rest of their group grunt in agreement. Now this group is comprised of really big, tough-looking guys, and I'm a relatively tall woman dressed as an axe-murdering man, complete with a wooden axe. I'm, I was minuscule compared to them. They entered my area through a net archway. The first guy said, Ah, oh, what the fuck is this? Is this shit supposed to be scary? His friend said, Hey, we can have a nap. Another friend, moving towards the bed closest to my hiding spot, said, We should just stay here until the other group comes through. There's no one in here. At this point, I lunge out and scream in a gravelly voice. And I say, That's how the last group ended up as fertiliser, sonny boy. These big men took one look at me with my axe and ran out of there shrieking like schoolgirls. They then encountered two spooky twins on the other side of the second archway. This resulted in them screaming even louder, falling off the path into the cornfield and scrambling madly to get away. They just ran completely out of the attraction and went home. Serves them right. Poor actors. But that's what I thought. It's like, you know... Because I guess a lot of people who come to these things have probably had a few drinks, right? Right. And you probably get a lot of kind of testosterone-filled teenagers who think that they're really brave and clever and try and... uh, try and have a go at them so i guess i guess they it's weird when i read read a lot of the the streams on on reddit it's almost like these these groups on reddit are almost like a self-help group for people who work in haunted houses and have to deal with drunk members of the public yeah it's gotta be like i mean it's such a i don't know it's it's not only a lonely job, it's one without any thanks whatsoever, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, cu- poor, there's a, cu- poor there's a couple more of these. Um uh, so this these are this one's off uh, I think you probably go and check out the group. It's uh it's a group run by JX Styles. So that's S T Y L E S. Um there's some good stuff on there. And like I said, it seems like a bit of a self-help group. Um, So this story, uh, I worked at an all-volunteer haunted house. And one year, we have these 10 guys show up dressed as the Grim Reaper. The organisers decided to put them all together in a corridor and make people walk through them like a gauntlet of menacing scythe. Scythe? Scythe? Whatever it is. So, this, this young, one young woman is really freaked out as she edges through the rooms, senses on high alert, visibly shaking. As a living mannequin, I decided just to say a quiet, good evening, which sends her scrambling away from me into the reaper corridor. They all converge eagerly with their scythes flashing, and she screams and drops like her strings have been cut. She passed out cold on the floor. All the grim reapers were standing ho- over her uncertainly shocked. Then, from one skull, came a wavering, really worried, Oh shit, I think we've killed her. (laughs) 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 Which, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Actually, I'm going to do, on that front, because I then started thinking, if you're there, that, um, that line of knowing when to come in and out of character 
must be quite difficult because you will get people who are genuinely scared, right? So, yeah, you will, yeah. So I th- this story I liked because it, it, it kind of shows that the, the, the fine line you have to walk as a uh, as an actor in a haunted attraction. So this is a husband and wife team who work in a popular haunted house attraction in America. So one night we were doing our thing, scaring people and whatnot, when this kid comes booking it through the scene. He's all alone and just fucking terrified. But he gave us about a second to try and scare him as he flashed past us. Well, the ground was uneven and I think a little damp and he slipped and fell and slid to a stop against a barrel right by the exit door. My husband and I are like, oh shit. If someone ever says, I can't do this or I want out, we have to exit character the only time we're allowed to and we have to escort them out. We walk over to him and I'm like, For real, dude, not playing, are you okay? The kid quickly nods, eyes bulging. I'm like, are you sure? Do you need to leave? He takes a second but shakes his head. I look at my husband and then back at the kid, (laughs) get back into character and scream, then get up and get the hell out, get out, get out. (laughs) The kid jumps up like he's got rockets stamped to his back and hauls ass into the mineshaft, leaving me and my husband rolling with laughter. (laughs) <laughs> poor kid man imagine being a husband and wife scare team I know it's quite weird isn't it yeah I kind of like that in a way but well I suppose it's the same kind of thing as the crankies but that's a that's a completely different tale <laughs> um, I did there are plenty uh, uh, just go on no, I was I was going to say that um, the closest that I've ever got. So me and my partner, she's not too into the paranormal, uh, and particularly not scary film. And I got her to this is about ten years ago when we first moved into the house we're in, and we had watched uh, a quite a terrifying film. I thought it it was going to be easier on her than it actually was, but she watched it all the way to the end. And we went to bed and she was like, okay, just come to bed with me. Um, But it was all fine. We got into bed. And because we'd had a few wines, about three o'clock in the morning, I felt her move and go into the bathroom to, you know, do whatever girls do in the bathroom. And I'm I'm not going to make this mistake again. I had this crazy thought that, oh, I know what she'll find funny. And I hid under the bed and waited for her to come back into the room and as she came pitter-pattering across the bedroom I just reached out and grabbed her ankle and our relationship nearly didn't last the night I thought that was a very (laughs) funny thing to do she thought that was a very unfunny thing to do so I imagine for the couple in that story there must always be a temptation of oh I know how I can frighten her but I reckon, yeah. you know, those who scare together don't necessarily stay together, I would guess. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. Did you think they do the equivalent of uh, Inspector Cluso and Cato and kind of try and hide in their house to try and scare each other all the time? I mean, you must be on complete edge if you live together like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Either that, or they just go completely the other way and just surround themselves with like care bears and yeah. gentle noises. They just play wow. some Brian Eno and That's stroke each other's hair. You ha- well, weirdly, un- inadvertently, you um, have nicely segued uh, me into my last little vignette from the world of haunted visitor attraction. Because it's a bit like what you were just talking about. So, this is uh, from someone called... Uh, their their handle is a lasagna for one. Um they say the coolest room I ever worked in was the last room in a fairy tale themed house. It looked like the inside of a little storybook cottage. Cutesy music was playing. There was a fake window with a meadow painted outside it. On a wall was a chalkboard with a line down the middle that said, Were you scared? at the top and gave you the option to mark yes or no on either side of the line. That's where I came in. The chalkboard was actually a drop panel, essentially a hidden window that loudly slams open to reveal a cast member on the other side. I was painted up like a horribly gory Snow White. Then I dropped the panel. It also triggered all the lights in the room to go out, except for black lights which revealed hidden evil drawings all over the walls, and an air cannon would blast people from behind, making them feel like somebody was touching them. It was just the best room because people felt safe. They finally let their guard down and when they saw this cheerful space and they went to put their mark on the chalkboard, bragging about to their friends, that wasn't scary. That's when, bang, blackout, satanic scrawling everywhere, air cannons smacking their heads and evil Snow White comes cackling in their faces, all in the span of one second. They always run out shrieking bloody murder. And her advice is, never trust the last room in a haunted attraction. That sounds ace. What a that great sound, room. That does sound funny, doesn't it? Because you, you can, yeah. even though you probably know there's something coming, you kind of go, what, what kind of ending is this? You know, I thought that was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've just realised that's obviously someone's job to design that. Yeah. I wonder if there's like some deep psychology or whether they just go with gut instinct. I love that. Yeah. I mean, there was, I'm not going to read anymore, but there was, there was another one which kind of talked about how they kind of structured them a little bit um, and how little things can make a big difference. So they had one attraction where it was always a kind of male lead kind of zombie and, you know, he was off sick or something and, the, one of the women who worked there had to kind of take his place and they realised that it made actually it made it a lot scarier for people so they then kind of switched to a kind of female character playing it rather than a male character so I guess you, you kind of design the bare bones of it and then you just kind of fiddle around till you find what works yeah yeah I suppose it, it isn't like anything You maybe you do rehearsals and see how people react and yeah. See, uh, see how it goes together. Oh, well, no, I, fascinating. I, I did go to it. It wasn't a haunted thing, but I remember going to uh, a kind of preview of there was a Shrek kind of visitor attraction in London, and I managed to get to a preview of it. But it was interesting because half of the stuff wasn't working, and 
there was one scenario and it involved lots of actors and there was one scenario where it didn't work and they were still working on the script so I kind of had a, it wasn't a haunted thing but I kind of had a little insight about how those things work and you do realise how much effort goes into it I guess you kind of think you know it's just people wandering actors wandering around trying to go Ugh. but you know I guess I guess it's an art just like anything else yeah definitely yeah yeah there's probably a guild of live action horror actors or something yeah yeah and it's well they're, they're, I, I haven't read any map but there's a whole range of story like i said if you kind of go to reddit and have a look there's tale after tale of people wetting themselves and worse in these attractions and stories of cast members being vomited on on numerous occasions and all kinds of stuff going on so um i would imagine it's quite uh I, don't, I can't work out if at the end of your shift you're either exhausted or probably in a in a uh, a heightened sense of uh, euphoria. I don't know. But if there's Depends how uh, many times you've been vomited on, I guess yeah, just like anything really. Um, yeah. Uh, well, if anybody has worked in one of these things and is listening, we'd love to hear from you and what your experience was. I'm fascinated by this now. This could be my new obsession. I don't necessarily want to go to one because I don't think I'd enjoy that side of it. I'd just go, oh, it's actors and please leave me alone. But I, I just, the idea of them and the concept of them is really fascinating. I would also like to hear if anyone has worked at one that has been genuinely haunted. Yeah, because there's a few in America, I think, that claim that they're genuinely haunted. But who knows? It's really hard to tell, isn't it, whether that's true or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine the more genuinely haunted it is, the more money you can charge. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, well, that's probably a good time to end there. I, I Also, if you're listening, to, like I said, we've kind of broken away from the normal. Let us know if you feel we should have another crack at doing something like this. And, like, if you've got any funnier stories, then let us know, because, uh, yeah, just didn't feel like we could wanted to go into heavy analysis of the paranormal let's just look at the lighter side um and maybe there's my luck la- my last joke from moira quince halloween used to be a holiday where you went out of your way to be scared now we just call that reading the news <laughs> yes we do <laughs> and on that note and on that note um well, stay safe out there and try and have a smile on your face. Stay safe and see you next time. Are you the quantum mechanics?